This is Chaplain Michael Barton, and I'd like to welcome you back to another inspirational episode of a Biblical Prescription for the Reduction of Anxiety. We continue our study from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And the last time we were together, we drew some beautiful parallels about Paul's reference to peace when he said, God gives a peace that transcends our understanding as well as a peace that protects. In verse 8 then of that passage, he begins to make a transition and he uses the word finally. This isn't some finally that implies, okay, I've gone on and on and on and one breath blurts out a conclusion to appease the audience. This is rather a decisive, deliberate, irrevocable final point to drive his message home. He makes his final point to support all that he has said up to this point. In fact, without this point, all that preceded it would not be able to stand. I truly believe that the finally here works like a therefore, making a point within a point. Verses 8 and 9 in this passage provide us with some practical, proactive ingredients as to how to cultivate the soil of our minds and our hearts to put us into a position to implement all that Paul has set up to this point. Yes, he says, rejoice, be gentle, don't be anxious, pray, petition, have a praise-filled heart, present God with your requests, and as a result, be recipients of peace and protection. Yet in order to properly prepare for this anxiety-less kind of existence, One's thoughts must be continuously immersed in God thoughts. Paul says, think about such things in verse 9 and put them into practice, verse 10. There's a big difference between thinking and meditating and studying and researching them and implementing them into the everydayness of our lives. Practice here is not some kind of rehearsal for the big game. It's rather running out onto the field. Paul here says, hey, You're in the game. Now, play your heart out. Paul says that in order to play on this field of reduced anxiety, there are some paces we must put ourselves through continuously in order to contend and eventually conquer the opposition. It's obvious that following were not part of the daily routine of those to whom he writes, so he says, aim for readjustment in these areas. Practice these principles, and as you do, these spiritual disciplines will prepare the soil of your heart to implement the game plan that I provided you in verses 4 through 7. So these disciplines are as follows. Think about these things, he says. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. So let's break these down one by one. Whatever is true. Paul's desire for those he oversees is for them to have their minds consistent with fact and reality. When one is grounded in that which is true, they hold to their convictions unswervingly and are not easily tossed to and fro by every supposed truth that comes along. Those whose foundations are based on what is true and whose minds are focused on truth whose concentration is always bathed in truth, have an accuracy about them and their expression of truth and a loyalty about them which gives them the truth that represent a credibility that is convincing to those who take notice. There is a proper alignment about those whose God's truth is their truth 
and it's their gauge for living. The steering wheel of their heart and of their life rarely wobbles when truth, God's truth, aligns their heart. And then there's whatever is noble. The word noble suggests a cut above, a class higher than one is accustomed. To think about that which is noble suggests that we need to ratchet up our thoughts from where they are right now. Often our thinking is filled with negativity. It's down instead of up, negative instead of positive. One has said, worry is the dark room where negatives are developed. And so true. Paul says one manner of thinking must move from a world-class model to that of a kingdom-class model. As Christians, we're that of a different rank. As Jesus' royalty, we're of a higher class, a kingdom class in quality. As children of the king, the expectation now for us to think in terms of character proceeding from that which is godly, in other words, our goals, our personal lives, etc. We're of a different, much nobler class as Christians. It must be our desire to think in a manner that is consistent with our nobility or our rank, And that's referenced beautifully in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. We now, as believers, possess the title of royalty, so the expectation is to think about things in terms of a godly character, a noble character. This is not nobility characterized by a lofty demeanor, but one of humility and of grace as referenced in 1 Peter, verses 5 and 6. We don't think of ourselves as better than others. We just think better thoughts. As we think about that which is noble, then we become more noble ourselves. It is true. We are what we think. And the next time we meet together, we'll discuss the next couple of principles which reference whatever is right and whatever is pure. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today and If what you heard today was a blessing to you, perhaps you'd like to share it with someone else. Or next time you tune in, connect with someone else and they can listen with you. Once again, this is Chaplain Michael Barton thanking you for coming along today as we continue to look at a biblical prescription for the reduction of anxiety. God bless you and have a wonderful rest of the day.